podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, ladies and gents. Thanks for joining us for episode 43 of Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. I'm your host, Chris Parsons, and alongside me for uh, well, the first time since we recorded the Christmas quiz, isn't it, I think? Yeah. It's, uh, he's back in the fold. It's Richard Kutcher. Hello. And we found him loitering in the bushes with some binoculars and pliers. It's Tom Martin, you right? You forgot my balaclava, Chris, as well. <laughs> Uh, before we crack on, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, and as of last week, we're on Spotify as well. So hit follow or subscribe to get each podcast sent to your device as soon as it drops. Hope you're all surviving January, uh, whether it's dry or otherwise. The Rams are certainly ticking along. Uh, a second 2-1 win of the season over Reading helped Derby stay in the top six, still just about within touching distance of the top two. We've got a potential cup run brewing as well after Lampard's comeback Kings did it again to see off the Saints and go marching into the FA Cup fourth round. And Frank Lampard appears to have answered our prayers and addressed Derby's defensive difficulties, but not with a name that many of us expected. We've had a chat to one of our podcast counterparts on the other side of the pond who'll tell us whether Ashley Cole can still cut it in English football age 38. But here's a quick one for you both. To start with, um, I don't know if you knew this, but the day we're recording, Monday, January the 21st, is apparently Blue Monday, statistically the most depressing day of the year, definitely not just made up by marketing firms and holiday companies. So what I want to know from you both is what's the most depressed you've ever been as a Derby County fan? Tom, take it away. I think it takes us back to the the end of the Paul Jewell era, uh, and it had a fairly miserable year 2007 and 8 getting relegated then the championship we're going to get promoted sign loads of players release them didn't happen and it came to Christmas and Christmas was a bit dark and we played Ipswich at home the 28th of December I was seeing a girl who's an Ipswich Town fan and Ipswich Town beat us 3-0 or 3-1 I like where this is going go on and uh, it was obviously fairly depressing my dad was drive us home he said we haven't got time for McDonald's sorry boy (laughs) And uh, I got a text from the girl I was seeing. She was like, I'm unlucky today. I was like, yeah, a bit disappointing. We didn't play at all. And she was like, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I don't think we should see each other anymore. <laughs> so Derby was so bad that you even lost your girlfriend, though. But she was so she was so disgusted at Derby's performance at Portman Road. We only lost 1-0 that day, actually. But still... <laughs> no, it was at Pride Park, I'm pretty sure. Like, it was the uh, the home fixture. Oh, OK. Yeah. Sorry. I felt like a kick in the teeth, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Happy New Year. A kick in the teeth and a dagger to the heart at the same time. Coach, well, Coach can you top that? Yeah, well, mine, mine's actually from the same season, but a bit earlier on, and probably when Paul Joel should have been sacked rather than waiting until December 28th of 2008. My one is from Oakwell, um, away to Barnsley on the 30th of August that year. We lost 2-0, and Tom and I were together in the away end that day. Mm. I was at York University. We had a lot, I remember drinking a lot of Spitfire on the train and then um, drinking in a very disgusting leisure centre for about £2 a pint. Um, outside Oakwell and Derby were awful we'd already lost two and drawn one in, uh, opening that campaign and the fans one of the only times I've seen the fans turn on each other in the away and it got quite nasty yeah. and then to cap it all off as Tom says we were on the train station and um, because we were going back to York 
I think we were with a bunch of Barnsley fans. I almost got arrested and had to be escorted onto a, onto a train. I kind of forgot <laughs> that there wasn't a train track between us and the Barnsley fans, but there was a train track between the Barnsley and Derby fans. So the Derby fans were giving it the big one and the Barnsley fans were doing the same. And it was all getting a bit heated. And then we went off with the Barnsley fans, but there was nothing to protect us. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty, uh, pretty hairy, but... Those, those are two answers I didn't really expect. I mean, there's two obvious answers, really, isn't there? There's just any time in the 07-08 season that there's a lot to choose from there, or there's like Zamora, really, isn't there? But so yeah. I don't see 07. I see 07-08 completely differently because because it was quite obvious quite quickly how bad it was. It kind of wasn't. I didn't find it as bad by the end. I mean, once once we went you through could, the you various, could laugh, you could laugh at it. But then the season after, when we've you know we had hope again, and you were playing against teams we should be beating, and Paul Paul George's team was just rubbish. You're totally right. There were it was quite clear really early on that we were massively out of our depth. But I think when I I met some mates and we went to West Ham at home in that season, um, oh, cost me yeah. cost me forty quid because Premier League, and West Ham had a massive injury crisis, and they still completely dicked us 5-0 <laughs> I thought that was at the point I remember thinking very clearly when I thought this is going to get way worse before it gets better and at least yeah I, I couldn't see the point at which we will be competitive again because we'd taken a few pastings before that from, from like Liverpool away and Arsenal away I was like yeah that's fine don't worry about it but yeah but I did see you Chris um, straight after the player final from Bobby Zamora and I can say that that was the most depressed I have ever seen you yeah I didn't actually speak to anyone for about 40 minutes I just couldn't <laughs> I just couldn't conjure any words about anything. But anyway, so starting on a cheerful note, let's move on anyway from hopeless to anxious because Derby stays sixth in the Championship with that win over Reading. Our first double of the season, hopefully not our last. We flew out the blocks, didn't we? Dwayne Holmes' first Rams goal and Harry Wilson's 12th of the season. But it was uh, one hell of a nervy finish, wasn't it, Richard? Yeah, we made it so much more difficult for ourselves than we needed to. Um... Really, it was the first 20 minutes, as you said, where we completely dominated. We should have had, it's no exaggeration to say we should have had four or five goals in those 20 minutes. And then Reading slowly got back into it, Second half, um, end of the first half. We got another goal, which was, which was brilliant. But then second half, we just didn't, we didn't come out of the trap second half at all. We looked slow, we looked a yard slower. Reading started to dominate more in midfield. And they, they created a lot of, of, not a lot of clear-cut chances, but a lot of good opportunities. About three different balls went straight across the six-yard box and no one got a touch on them from either team. Um, it could have been a very frustrating draw, but as it was, really good three points, actually, on the back of 120 minutes against a good Premier League team. And great to see um, little Dwayne Holmes get off the mark, um, a goal that's been a long time coming. Even from his recent performances, he has deserved a goal. And I love his like bravery on the ball. The fact that he's there's not much on him, but he'll sort of try and run through anyone basically. And that real that great low centre of gravity that we've talked about before seems pretty comfortable on both feet as well, which is always great. And the club tweeted out a stat about his performance: 100% dribble success, 100% tackle success, three interceptions, one key pass, one goal. Can't really ask for much more than that, can you? He was even filling in at fullback at times and sort of showing Jaden Bogle how to how to cut out crosses yeah, properly. I said to Tom yesterday, I think I think Holmes blocks more crosses in that in that, in that match by himself than we have any of our fullbacks have all season. He, he looks good um, going backwards. Uh, we mentioned his dribbling. His dribbling is fantastic. Everyone can see that. Um, but what was great about his goal was it was a really intelligent run from left to right as Harry Wilson was running forward. And then when you watch our second goal, 
Harry Wilson's actually trying to play exactly the same pass on Holmes' exact same run. It gets cut out and then goes to Waghorn, um, which gets back to Wilson and Wilson scores. But it was obviously a training ground move that of Wilson picking it up in the middle and Holmes cutting in, running from left to right along the back four. Shows real intelligence um, of him, not just as a skillful player on the ball. I really like about Holmes the energy and the sort of directness that he has. He picks the ball up and it's like let's go, and there's a sudden like buzz around him when he when he picks the ball up and he really injects some pace into it. One of those players who's always looking to go forward or pass forward, isn't he? Like, yeah, definitely. He's he's always looking positive, which I think is great. And I think sometimes what that Derby team needs, we've got a lot of creativity in there, um, but sometimes it can be a bit predictable. Um, and the thing I loved about Holmes, and you alluded to it there. Uh, and about his goal he curved that run and it looked almost like it was offside but he actually sort of stopped and re like was intelligent enough to think about his run and see the left back and um, he kept himself onside and finished it brilliantly the second goal Harry Wilson's 12th of the season um, <laughs> massive deflection goal of the month top <laughs> corner mate they <laughs> <laughs> probably still get it won't he? they all count they all count though don't they they all count and you know he had a go and it was probably going on target and that's all you can really ask for um, another great move uh, from about the halfway line. I think we picked it up and moved it forward. I think Wilson might have even started off the move uh, further up the pitch. Yeah, if he, if he keeps shooting a bit like Mount in the first couple of months of the season, Mount would shoot more regularly and he'd be hitting the target and then maybe it'll take a deflection, kind of goal that Frank Lampard used to specialise in, of course. So it's great to see us shooting from outside the box again because I think we actually lost a bit of that. Uh, over the last couple of months Mount's goal against Reading on the first day was a, a bit of a pot shot from outside the box which Manoni made a bit of a hash of so um, yeah it's good to see looking at the way we play as well during that uh, during the Reading game that a lot of the time we seem to be going sort of 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one, yeah. really won't we and I guess it's a positive that like uh, Waghorn Wilson Mount and um, Holmes can all play basically across those front four positions and we were sort of level with it in the east end and you could see them all level with each other couldn't yeah. you I guess maybe that's part of the two in the three dropping a bit deeper and Wilson and Mount advancing a bit further forward naturally because Huddleston's so defensive but it's uh, you know it's a flexible approach and it's you know it's working for us at the moment so do you know what my thought on that was it was about defensive cover I think Lampard's identifying that we are struggling to cut the crosses out which uh, cuts loves talking about as well um, and I actually noticed that Waghorn seemed to be trying to deal a lot more when the ball went down the left I thought Reading attacked down the left a lot more uh, with McCleary um, and Waghorn seemed to be trying to deal with cutting that cross out a lot more defensively I think that's true I think Waghorn did try hard I think he's definitely one of the ones that tired um, in the second half probably because he played so much um, on Wednesday um, and Holmes worked really hard as well on the other side however I definitely think it was quite a new formation and something they've definitely working on because I spotted a few times in, in particularly in um, the first half and then the start of the second half when we conceded more possession there seemed to be a lot of dialogue between people I'm not sure entirely Bogle and Waghorn knew when which one of them should press the cross and which one should get out particularly when the ball was getting played to the left hand side on the halfway line we looked a bit disorganised at times when we conceded possession um, so it definitely is a work on I think it's like I think it's something really good there to work with because it is a very attacking team but defensively they look like they're still trying to get to grips with the with the positioning Do you get the impression that a lot of people were calling for Waghorn to get more minutes but that maybe at the moment he's performing slightly better without the ball than he almost is with the ball I mean he had a, a few decent face-ups against Reading where he had a chance to take on the fullback. didn't really make the most of him really I was expecting a bit more were you? Yeah, he didn't create a whole load himself, um, but he, he's a real goal threat. 
and that, that's what I like about him being in the team because he does get in the box, you know, and he had a goal disallowed for offside, which was, I think, relatively close. It probably was offside. Um, of course, he got the goal against Southampton on Wednesday. He does look like he's going to get in the bo- get in the box and take a bit of the heat off Mary. I think if Wagon starts regularly, he'll easily get easily get double figures. At the back, meanwhile, um, Keller Ruse. Can we all agree that's how you pronounce it? Keller Ruse. Yeah. Ruse. Keller, <laughs> Keller Ruse sounds good. As in good. a ruse. Yeah. Um, Keller Ruse kept his place in goal after the Southampton replay. His first league start for Derby five years after joining the club. Wow. Um, it would seem due to Carson being unavailable rather than um, rather than form. He made a couple of decent saves, I thought, and he, he gave us all a bit of a scare, didn't he, with that... Um, I was going to say moment of madness, but he actually timed it pretty well in the end, where he steamed out of 30 yards out of his goal to perform that uh, that well-executed slide tackle on yeah. uh, Gareth McCleary. But what I was going to ask you both, Tom, you're um, what I was going to say, you're a resident goalkeeping expert. You're both goalkeeping experts, yeah. in a way. Have you seen enough from Ruse to believe that he could make himself our long-term number one? Um, in a word, no. Um, and the reason for that is... Uh, some of my best friends are Bristol Rovers fans and uh, Ruse had a, a spell at, at Bristol Rovers I just want to say two or three years ago great shot stopper which is what we've seen I think in the last couple of games but when it comes to the pressure ball coming into the box in the last minute or even like a, a team who are better than the side that he's playing in and he's having to deal with a lot more sort of uh, technical things he tends to struggle on that so the instinctive stuff is is great and he's a big strong man and he's um, he can clearly uh, play with his feet he's got good distribution but the shot stopping is great not so good on the sort of crossing and things like that the distribution was the part that I think impressed both Chris and I a lot um, he, he's very one of those goalkeepers that's very keen to kick out of his hands rather than throw the ball onto the floor so he kind of does a real flat kick and they were targeting the Reading left back Waghorn won quite a few headers um, against him direct from Ruse which so, showed that with Ruse we could maybe go a bit more direct and a bit longer more often but to go back to what Tom said about technical side, yes, I think he's a good shot stopper. He's probably liable to have a couple of great games, but his decision-making, I might get the impression he's a bit erratic. And, and that, as you mentioned, Chris, when he came charging out to the byline, yeah, he won it and it looked great and he put it into row Z, but that could have gone horribly wrong and he did not need to be going out to the byline. There was no immediate danger. It's great he got there, but another week, that decision goes horribly wrong and suddenly our first choice goalkeeper's injured and our second choice goalkeepers suspended for three matches and we're in a big problem so I just thought that was a stupid decision he got away with it so if the same thing happened again you'd have preferred to have seen the defender just try and close him down and Roos, yeah, leave Roos, it. Roos stay at home Roos needs to stay at home there I think yeah. the, where, the, where the ball is if the keeper's coming out that far and I'm going to say, say it's what, 25 yards out on the right back position keeper comes that far the keeper needs to be winning it cleanly as soon as the keeper goes to floor he's out the game if McCleary nicks that ball past him he's still out on the left wing he shouldn't be scoring from the left wing if a goalkeeper's in goal but suddenly he's got an open goal defenders are desperately trying to clip uh, Camber back to to defend it. Ruse is crawling around on the floor trying to get up and then run back. We're likely to concede a goal, and no problem with him clearing the ball and coming out of his box. But as soon as you go to ground, because you have to, because he's made a bad decision on it, and um, that's where you have a problem. I don't think he needs to be there, but I, fair play to him getting there in the end. I don't think he start when he made that decision to come out. I'm not sure he knew he was convinced himself that he was going to make it. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, why, he, your problem, that's why he shouldn't yeah. come out. Yeah. 
Um, but he did so you know the, the end justifies the means in the end and he got a great photo because I think that's an absolute cracking photo of him winning the tackle uh, against McCleary I'd yeah. imagine he's probably got it framed in his house already I, I would do if I had that one so <laughs> we will yeah. now uh, so Calarouz could end up making it three consecutive starts you'd imagine he'll get a nod for Accrington in the cup at the weekend the problem we had Richard and we could all see it everyone could see it is that we looked so knackered towards the end of that Reading game unsurprisingly given there were some players who haven't played every minute playing 120 minutes and then they all of a sudden they have to go the distance against Southampton so it seems we will rotate against Accrington in the fourth round but who's the most important person to rest would you say if anyone I think the obvious one is Harry Wilson probably I, I wouldn't rest him though they've got a week off now and, they, and the following league game after the FA Cup game is uh, on, on the Friday so they've got another week um I found it really odd just to go back to how tired we looked. Why wasn't Lampard making changes earlier? You know, he didn't, I think he didn't make one till late seventieth minute. Late seventies, yeah. Um, and you know, he—I think we all read the Craig Bryson article, and Lampard said he he rested, he basically rested Bryson from the squad completely because he ran sixteen and a half kilometers against Southampton, which is incredible. You know, the average for a, ma- a player in a ninety-minute match is about ten. I, I literally can't run sixteen kilometers. Yeah. Um, right, at all. But the fact that he rested, <laughs> the, the fact that he rested Bryson completely from the squad, made me very surprised that he then played a whole bunch of them for seventy minutes, nearly eighty minutes, and we looked tired. He had George Evans on the bench. He had Mason Bennett on the bench. Both of them did come on. He had did Nugent come on for about ten minutes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had players to bring on, and some of our team did look completely shattered. And I just found that a bit odd. Lampard's very positive of his substitutions in cup games, but he's very hesitant in the league and he has been for most of the season we've talked about that before I think uh, there is one fact, uh, one game where Lampard only made two subs I'm pretty sure this year or if he did make the third it was sort of 93rd minute kind of thing um, and I think sometimes he's been a little bit more sort of aware of what's happening I, I do think he's missed that a couple of times and you guys were talking about how tired they looked just freshen it up a bit sometimes that helps and it gives energy to those who are tired around them whereas if everyone's tired it sort of sucks, sucks the energy out of everyone doesn't it what about someone like the main man Holmes does he does he play against Accrington given, he, given he's playing so well or Definitely. yeah game time he, he's not we, we think he's brilliant and I think we all want him to start regularly but Lampard doesn't see him I don't think as a guaranteed starter just yet so I, I play the first team I, I would I honestly wouldn't consider really resting anyone unless they've got a knock I think if Carson's back in time and fit I'd probably give Ruse another game you know but um, not that I wouldn't bring Carson straight back in for the league um, but I just don't see the point if people are fit they've got a week off now get, give them a game let's get through to the next round of the cup the, the key thing here as well in terms of resting do we, uh, do we rest Mason Mount because he hasn't been at his best he's shown some sort of signs in the last couple of weeks that there's glimpses back to the uh, pre- the early season form but do we give him a rest against Accrington bring him off the bench I'd rest him against Accrington definitely yeah. we've got the options and other players in form but anyway we'll see what happens in the meantime Steve Beamer's Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company the family run microbrewery and a pub operator in Derby with three venues across the city Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Don't forget, you can give us a follow on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Steve Bloomer Pod. Um, so, Southampton, then. I had to miss it myself. Um, I had to miss the replay for pre-booked personal theatre-based reasons. Um, so shall we review Hamilton or Derby versus Southampton? Um, save it for a, like a bonus podcast, <laughs> which nobody will listen to. Um, 
having watched it back, the highlights I mean, not Hamilton, um, although the soundtrack's really good. Um, <laughs> my, my main, my, my underrated highlight was the fact that Richard Keogh has now been promoted up the lineup of penalty takers. He's been, <laughs> he was eighth against Man United and he's now fifth. He loves it, doesn't he? He loves a cheeky pen. He does love a pen and he's got a good record. Um, however, I do find it a bit odd because I in Lampard's or Keogh's post-match interview, they kind of said they kind of suggested that wasn't the original plan, which makes me think Keo went. I'll take the fifth one then if we're going to win it. I'll take I'll take the glory. Yeah, don't worry, lads. Well, you know what? He scored it, so I don't mind that. Um, and if he's confident enough, but great, we haven't missed a penalty season, and we've probably taken more than any other team in the championship. Was that your favourite moment of that game, or um, Wagon's header? That was pretty good as well, wasn't it? Wagon's header was lovely. Um, just getting that goal back through Harry Wilson. Um, I, I didn't see us getting back into it we played well all game but I just didn't see us suddenly scoring two goals yeah, that's what we do we always give teams one or two goal head starts it's just how we roll these days and Saints put a good team out you know um, it was a good team from Southampton um, I know Nathan Redmond came off the bench thankfully to miss a penalty um, but yeah great performance another feel good night another Premier League scalp taken and you know, I think even more impressive having followed it up on Saturday with the win against Reading I'm just good that I missed it because I would have missed a classic Tom Martin mood swing of being absolutely livid when we're 2-0 down and then uh, jumping around at whatever place when we went through well don't, yeah. de- don't deny that that happened because I know that it did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I always had a good moan about the, some of the defending at, at times but I was doing that I think before we conceded I was actually more raging about the VAR decisions to be honest because the first the first goal that we scored in the night the Bryson one it's, it's one of those funny things I know obviously VAR is it's black and white and it's obviously offside it's a thing where I didn't even contemplate offside being being given, and the Southampton players didn't didn't even contemplate or even appeal. The goal was given. Two minutes, two seconds later, it was disallowed. Then the Wilson goal, I didn't even celebrate because I was like, he's offside. You, I was like, you can tell, and he's played on by like the shin pad of one of the Southampton defenders. I'd have been quite happy for the first one to have stood and the second one to have been given offside. Like, it's, it's really weird. It made me feel a bit uncomfortable about how how the use of VAR is. It's by no means perfect, is it? But you know, when no. when you end up winning anyway, then who, who cares? Yeah, and uh, that, that's it. And then the Wagcorn goal, obviously, that was a cracking ball in. And then he put beauty on the plate for Lawrence. And then uh, there was another one, I think, from Wilson. The cross came in, and Lawrence just scored two headers. Um, I thought I thought we did enough to win it in ninety minutes, and we definitely did enough to win it for me in one hundred and twenty. I mean, that's probably only the second and third time Lawrence has headed the ball after that goal he scored against Reading on the opening day so you know it's fair to say it's not really a strong point is it high expectations after that Reading goal what a what a header well I think the, the Reading one was a fluke wasn't it what <laughs> yeah. like a salmon and it went in the top. <laughs> oh yeah actually yeah it was yeah, yeah. he even admitted it himself um, anyway here's a sentence I never thought I'd hear myself say Ashley Cole could make his Derby County debut at Accrington Stanley away on Saturday, the 38-year-old uh, free agent and close mate of fellow Champions League winner Frank Lampard has been officially unveiled as a Derby County player just a few hours before we start recording this, which is extremely helpful. But has he got the legs for the cut and thrust of the championship promotion race? We dialed up the States to chat to Josh Guessman, an LA Galaxy reporter from the Corner of the Galaxy podcast. Great name that, isn't it? Terrific. Enjoy that name. And he told us how the former England left-back won over every single fan during his spell in California. So, Josh, thanks ever so much for talking to us, firstly. So you're the man who knows the most out of anyone about Ashley Cole's most recent uh, playing career. He made uh, more than 80 appearances for the Galaxy before making his last appearance in October. 
Um, he's 38 now. Is it fair to say that his age was the main reason why his contract wasn't renewed? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're betting on a starting left back, then any time you get over probably the age of 35, uh, maybe that's even stretching it for some, uh, that you're not going to be able to necessarily depend on that person for any significant amount of time. And for the Galaxy, uh, being they picked him up in 2016 and he made um, let's see, over 86 appearances for the for the LA Galaxy while he was uh, while he was there. Uh, you know, I think that they got everything they possibly could out of Ashley Cole, and quite honestly, if, if they brought him back again this year, it, it wouldn't surprise me that he'd last the whole season again. So, um, yes, age was probably a concern for, for trying to move on there, uh, but I think even here on, on this side of the pond with the Galaxy, they now have a hole at left back that they're going to have to fill that Ashley Cole did a very good job of last season. So he was uh, made captain last season, wasn't he? But he also had his fair share of disciplinary problems uh, five red cards by my count in three seasons at the galaxy but in spite of all of that was he a, a popular figure among the galaxy fans by the time he left oh yeah by the time he left absolutely coming uh no i, I don't think there was a galaxy fan who was very thrilled about the uh, entire signing seeing his age whenever he came over um but he won over every single fan uh that was there in attendance and saw him play day in and day out uh that day in day out grind the professionalism that he showed in the locker room uh, I'll tell you, Chris, there, there are Galaxy defenders right now who would be competing with Ashley Cole for a position who said that if he came back to the team, they would be thrilled uh, to have him back on the team. So so the captain's armband was well-deserved for him. He was a good, if not quiet, leader. Um, and the red cards, I mean, you know, one of those was he got two yellow cards in the span of 30 seconds. Uh, so maybe we can throw one of those out because that was kind of wacky. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he didn't really have, I wouldn't consider him a, a disciplinary problem while he was here with the Galaxy at all. He also chipped in with uh, a fair few assists uh, last season, particularly more than any other defender. So it seems like he can still get up and down like he did, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Although, was part of that down to having uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic up front? How much of a factor was that for you guys? It certainly was the fact that uh, the Ashley Cole and Zlatan could be on the same page almost uh, at all times. The the top tier players that you know we've seen come through MLS and, and certainly watching leagues around the world there in England as well. You, you can always tell when when guys are on the same page. And Ashley Cole and Zlatan Ibrahimovic were always on the same page. So yes, the assist number was certainly ratcheted up because of Zlatan Ibrahimovic and his his ability to finish almost anything that came forward. But uh, really, it was Ashley Cole. If you think about his age, uh, you know, 37 years old last year, getting forward at the right times um and being able to put in a, a good left foot across i mean you know it's something he's been doing for years and years but uh bottom line is last year uh, the galaxy had one of the best offenses in major league soccer uh despite having one of the worst defenses in major league soccer uh the defensive side of things probably isn't all ashley cole's fault um lots of other things there but the offensive side of things he's able to get into attack and, and still affect uh, affect the play i think one of the reasons he has been brought in basically apart from that connection with frank lampard is that he is 38 maybe with a view to uh, maybe looking into a coaching role back in England, perhaps. But Derby have a lot of uh, young defenders and young players in general. Was it something that you guys noticed when he played in the States that he tried to help on the youngsters and, and develop them and have sort of have word in their ear to advise them through games and that sort of thing? Oh, absolutely. Um, and you talk to any of the defenders there, uh, Dave Romney, uh, Dan Steras, uh, they all talk about uh, Ashley Cole coming in, and these are relatively younger guys, 
uh, who, who are playing defense, and, and Ashley Cole always took the time to talk to him. Ashley Cole was also a guy, and you, you talked about uh, possibly looking towards a coaching position. He, he's going to be a coach. Uh, he would sit in on tape sessions with the coaches of the LA Galaxy, um, so that way they could try to figure out stuff, and he would be have his opinions put in, and so he would be analyzing games along with the coaches. So he really did all this stuff, you know, despite being the captain and also, you know, starting left back for the Galaxy. He was very much involved in, in sort of game planning and trying to help and, and improve the Galaxy's defense, and, and so he's a guy who, if you have young players, you can't ask for a better professional to show them what the ropes is uh, and sort of take them through what, what it means to be that everyday guy, that starting left back, that starting right back, whatever it is. Ashley Cole is that guy. He can tell you what to do. He can do it by example. He'll give you, he'll whisper in your ear. He'll, t- he'll tell you all the, all the good things that you need to do or the bad things that you need to improve on. So he is, uh, it, it, you know, as a matter of fact, if, you, if he indeed is going to Derby County, he's going to be a coach on the field if he's playing. And if not, and he's sitting in the stands or sitting on the bench, he's still a coach there as well. It all sounds very positive so far but I have to I have to ask I mean I'm trying to reflect you know the views of a lot of English fans here I think the viewpoint that a lot of English fans have rightly or wrongly is that you know British players go to the States towards the end of their careers as the MLS is perhaps a bit less intense as a league if you know what I mean I know it has come on a lot in recent years it is a lot more competitive now than it used to be but how would you compare personally the MLS and, and it's standard to that of European football leagues and like the second tier of, of English football. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody's going to pretend that uh, Major League Soccer, and certainly not Major League Soccer reporters or fans, um, for, for that matter, are going to pretend that MLS is at any sort of super high level with regards to any of the European leagues, uh, English football, or anything like that. Um, whenever you get into you know the lower levels of, of English football, maybe maybe there's a crossover there that uh, the you know the the physicality can be similar i'll tell you i still notice you know a size difference just in the players whenever you look at uh you know the english premier league and maybe the second division um at the championship and and as you go down there still seems to be a size difference for me and major league soccer players tend to be smaller um that being said the travel that you know a lot of mls players do and that ashley cole put himself through was uh, was rather rigorous all these clubs are spread way 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 far apart um, so the physicality and, and the mental part of MLS is, is probably um, on par with some of those those um, leagues worldwide. But, I mean, clearly Ashley Cole at 38 years old is not the same Ashley Cole as he was when he was, you know, 28 or 30. Um, and so looking at the demands of Major League Soccer and certainly, you know, trying to say that uh, you could draw a parallel with the championship or, or anything else in English, it's probably a stretch. They're probably too different to really compare. Um, but he's Ashley Cole. And uh, while I think the Galaxy, you know, probably moved on because of his age, it doesn't mean he doesn't have another season left in him. And, you know, I don't think he hurts you even if he doesn't play and he's on the bench and he's giving your guys, your, your younger guys, you know, sort of that, that, uh, that encouragement. Ashley Cole then, Tom. Jobs for the boys and over the hill or um, valuable experience for the run-in, do you think? I'm not quite sure what his motivation is. He's 38 years old. Um, is he wanting a new pay packet? Is he wanting some coaching experience? Is he is he going to get in the team? I don't know. Like, It's not necessarily Malone that I think is the, the weak link in that defence. So I'm not I'm not sure if, as uh, Josh says, that he's been fantastic for the, for the Galaxy. Um, over the last few seasons, he was obviously captain and was... A, a real leader, then fantastic. He brings an excellent amount of experience in there. Um, but I'm not sure. What do you reckon, Kutch? I, I wouldn't say that Malone isn't the weak link in the defence. I think all the defenders have their weak points, and fullback, particularly both sides, are somewhere we could do better at. Um, 
Malone doesn't convince me at all. I think if we had a really good, solid first-choice left-back who we could all depend upon, I think it would be a worthless signing. I think Cole will bring some honest competition. I think he'll be a good influence in the dressing room. Um, Josh from uh, Corner Galaxy seemed to think that he was you know, well-respected by fellow players and fellow young players particularly. That'll be helpful. I think he's probably could have given us more defensively probably than he will offensively, but that's probably a good thing. Um, and if he can just bring a bit more organisation, he's going to be playing on Tamori's side just to, the, to just to the left of Tamori. And Tamori could probably do with someone like Ashley Cole next to him. I think I think it's a good move. And he's as John. I think John Percy's reporting fifteen thousand pound a week seems pretty fair wage for a, for a, for who he is and for the championship. I can't really get my head around the fact that he was on apparently much less in America, but he's but we're now paying him way more. Do you just can, do you just accept a much lower pay packet for the chance to live in California? I think it's paper talk, <laughs> isn't it? We 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 don't know. Let's be honest, and I think that's just paper talk. And who knows? But if, if it is fifteen grand, then I think personally it could be fifteen grand better spent elsewhere. But you can't get any good real ale in uh, in LA, can you? No. But he had, on a serious point, he has always kept himself in good shape, and I'm sure that he's you know going to be very fit and ready to go against Hackerton possibly on Saturday. Um, I'm not really worried about the age thing. Um, he won't be as sharp as he was 10 years ago when he was the best left back in the world but you know what we've got one of the best left backs in the world playing for us so I don't care that's pretty cool and I guess like whoever the player is like we've had some some characters in the past like Robbie Savage uh, I guess Jamie Ward as well could be quite a divisive person if he wasn't playing for you um, as soon as they put a derby shirt on you back them and that's that's what's going to happen as soon as he plays if he plays against Accrington it's Ashley Cole the derby county player and I want, it, I want him to do well doesn't really give a huge um, sort of jab of confidence to uh, Max Lowe does it the fact that he played three games at the start of the season got sent out on loan kept was, was brought back by Lampard presumably while we had in, yeah while we didn't have left back cover I think so, I think it's a perf- I think it's a, the perfect way round to do it we bring in Cole he's an experienced operator we've got a really high pressure second half of the season we want to be in the mix we want to be we want to be in the playoffs I'd much rather have someone like Ashley Cole playing left back in the playoff final for Max Lowe and Max Lowe is still getting game time in the you know, Aberdeen are fourth at the moment they're only three points off the top I think but what Aber- I mean is what like why why bring him back for his loan in the first place like if you're just going to send him back out he then? brought him back because we didn't have any other left back cover now we've got left back he obviously knew Cole was coming so he sent Max Lowe back out again I think it's pretty simple so he, I was, think he, was, he was cover for the cover I think it was, cover, doubt- it was cover until we got Cole in yeah and now he's back at Aberdeen he's going to play the rest of the season I think there was doubt over Malone's fitness and he, it seems that Malone has been inconsistently sort of in and out of the team even when especially when him and Foz were both uh, fit and none of them were able to like nail down that, that starting role and Malone seems to he's not the what I would describe as a pure athlete is he he doesn't look like he could uh, do a 46 game season slog and I think he does need to come out that come out of that and after the busy Christmas period he needed a bit of a break and uh, Lowe came in and did okay um, and then it's gone because he's probably going to be third choice. One player who definitely will benefit from Cole's experience is Jaden Bogle, given he's literally less than half his age. <laughs> Where do we stand on, on Jaden Bogle at the moment? I mean, there's no doubt he's definitely improving. And I have to literally constantly tell myself that this is his first season as a senior professional footballer. But at the same time, we saw both extremes of him against Reading didn't we he had a couple of moments of nice little skill on touchline and he was he is starting to get better at cutting out crosses but at the same time if I have had a pound for every time he goes at the goes at the right cuts inside gets his head up and gives the ball away 
I'd have, you know, twelve pounds. <laughs> it's about three pints, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> Two in London. Two in London, three in Derby. Um yeah, I agree I agree with all of that. I thought he looked better uh, on Saturday defensively. Um as we said before, he doesn't get a lot of help in front of him, which you know can't be easy when it is your your first season. But yeah, the thing he's got all the attributes to be good going forward, and he does look dangerous going forward. But as soon as he hits the penalty box, he and not, he, not even that, just the final third. Yeah, as soon as he think, has to think about it, basically, he seems to be he's just too indecisive. Uh, he normally holds on for it for a couple of yards too long, takes an extra touch goes inside when he should go outside goes outside when he should go inside normally he's best when he's more instinctive like a couple he's put in some really good balls in the last couple of months and that's been when he's not tried to beat the foot not tried to beat the fullback and just whip it in and he's actually got a good cross on him so i'd like to see him do that more often he, think, he, he, he that's a real danger point though because the more he keeps on doing it like beating a man cutting inside which is great but then not knowing what to do and giving it away he's out of position and They've got a break on, and yeah. it's, he cannot he cannot keep doing that. And with our system, the right winger, whether it's a right forward or a right midfielder, aren't going to naturally plug in for Bogle when he goes forward. And Wagon's not going to stay back if Bogle goes forward, is he? So you're, you're right; it can catch us out. I bear with him. I, I still think I still think he's good. I still think you know, Burnley were linked with him for a reason, presumably. Um, I think he, he did look better at, at the weekend at fullback, but I, I wasn't particularly impressed with Reading going forward, to be honest. So if there's anything in this £8 million uh, linked to Burnley, Tom, would you be interested in cashing in? No. To be bluntly, I think he's a he's a real talent. Um, I think he's had a season, less than a season at the club, uh, where he's been the first team. We could have sold Will Hughes earlier than we did, and I wouldn't have begrudged him going to a likes of Liverpool, who's linked there for like fifteen million. We eventually sold him to Watford. It was the the biggest travesty and the worst transfer dealing that I think I've ever seen um, with Will Hughes. We don't need to make that same mistake. Let's give the lad at least a season and season and a half before we even contemplate selling him. But are yes. we going to get more than eight million for him in a year's time? And and can we replace him for less than eight million? The answer to that, the first question is probably no, and the answer to the second question is. Yes, we could easily get a, a probably a better right back for four million in that division. But if we look at like Jeff Hendrick, I remember thinking that was a great sale at ten million to Burnley. But I think he's been phenomenal for Burnley, and he's now probably worth worth significantly more than that. Just think hypothetically yeah. though, if we keep him, he plays almost every other game this season. We go up. He's a Premier League right back. He'll probably get in the twenty ones at that point. Then it'll be worth way more than eight million. Yeah, I think I think we need to keep him. Well, right? I know there's a lot of ifs and buts in that. I'm not course, saying yeah. I'm not saying let's sell him, so I don't think there's an offer on the table. And I like him, and I would love to see him develop at Derby. I just think eight million is quite a lot of money for a right back that's played half a season, not com- not entirely convincingly. That Reading win then was first in a run of uh, much more favourable fixtures for Derby on paper at least. Uh, so next up for the Rams, Preston away who are currently 18th, Hull at home, which will be tricky, they're in great form, aren't they? Um, they're 8th, Ipswich away, who are bottom, Wigan at home, who are 20th, and Millwall at home, the rearranged game from the Cup tie, who are 19th. Those are the correct league positions at a time of recording. I guess it's easy to say that in the next five games we should be putting that lead result behind us and getting enough points on the board to be almost cementing, or getting towards cementing a top six place, but this is Derby we're talking about, isn't it? And we never think we never make things that easy. And it's the new year, and it's the championship. Um, 
yeah, you'd like to think 12 points from that would be an amazing, would be a great return. 12 from, 12 from 15, is that? I think? This, this is the most confident I've been about a Derby side doing what they should do. And that Derby side, realistically, should qualify for the playoffs fairly comfortably. Not in a last gasp, like having to win on the last day of the season to confirm it. We should be in the playoffs and confirmed two or three games before the end. And I think that run of fixtures should see us do that. Um I'd expect 9 to 12 points from those fixtures. Hull's going to be tough. The two away games at Preston uh, and Ipswich will be tough. We always know that Mill will bring uh, bring like a decent sort of battling outfit. We need to score early against them. But I still think three three wins and a draw, four wins should be is doable out of those fixtures. And I think that's what we should be aiming for. If we do that, it actually puts us right back in the mix. I mean, Leeds lost at the weekend. Norwich picked up a draw. Why, why not? We should still be looking at that top two. But I think... Realistic Derby, a fourth, fifth, maybe sixth position at the end of the season. All I will say is that, and it has been pointed out by a fair few other people, is that most of the top six all have three or four games, even five, against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not five, but at least four. And uh, we've only got one. So we've got the running, but as we all know, we're more than capable of, uh, of, of ballsing up a relatively easy-looking running on paper. Um, so we'll see how that works out anyway. We can't really do this podcast without talking about Spygate, all the spy nonsense. Um, hopefully it all kicked off the day after we released our last podcast. So <laughs> between now and then, basically every man and his dog in the footballing world has had a, has had a say on it. Even you know, football focus in all the papers. The only question that I really think is worth asking anymore is what punishment do you think Leeds will get? It's come out in the last few hours that uh, it's now Norwich, Blackburn... Middlesbrough, Bristol City, Forest, and Derby, who are among the eleven clubs who have um, written to the written that joint letter to the EFL, demanding further explanation. Funnily enough, all teams in and around the top six or top yeah, eight. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think will happen, if anything? I don't. There won't be a points deduction, um, and I think probably rightly so. Um, as much as I dislike a lot of the narrative around the whole. Uh, conversation. I haven't been particularly impressed with the media. A lot of people are blaming Derby for the whole thing, which is bizarre, because actually I think Lampard and, and Derby have been quite restrained. Um, I, I don't. I don't think there'll be a point deduction. I think there'll be a fine and a warning, um, and they might have to clear up some rules around this uh, longer term because it is a grey area. You know, what I said this to you, Chris. What was strange was that the original reports coming out of the story was that they'd, I think, gone for a fence and they had some pliers on them and, and that sounded a lot more serious. What actually happened was a lot less serious and I think a lot of people got on high horses before hearing the full facts. I don't think there'll be any kind of uh, serious punishment. I think the fine will be small and maybe a ticking off for Bielsa, but I don't think he probably even deserves that. I don't know, that's controversial to say. Slap on the wrist, I think, when it's... Yeah, when I, it's think, on. I think it's... The thing that really confused me was the press conference announced last week and then this uh, whole PowerPoint presentation, so how, how he analyses things. And it was like, it almost smacked of a, this is what we do, it's okay. And then he admits that he does it on every single team. I just think it's massively arrogant and it really makes me dislike Leeds and it makes me really not want Leeds to go up even more than I didn't want them to go up in the first place. Yeah, I do think in terms of punishment, I, it's a bit of a storm in a teacup for me it's not a big thing but I don't think the media I don't think Leeds have really dealt with it very well um, I think it should have gone away by now and it hasn't and the, the FA, the EFL, whoever it is that needs to do something needs to do something soon I think they'll go with the uh, sensible 
reasonable advice offered by Stuart Pearce, who suggested that uh, the EFL just award us a 2 0 win. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that's, that's a sensible option that everyone wants to see, isn't it, really? <laughs> Actually, I think that's fairly lenient. I think 30 Proportional. Points, yeah, 30 point <laughs> deduction, relegate them two divisions, uh, rename them United of Leeds or something like that, and relocate them to Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a little bit. A little bit harsh, but who am I to judge? <laughs> well, there we go then. I think that's basically all we've got time for now. Before we leave you, we haven't done one of these in a while, have we? Who am I? One for uh, for old time's sake. I oh, think yes. I think it's still four one to Tom in two thousand and nineteen. This is the game where Tom and Richard have to guess the identity of a Derby County player from a series of clues. I played ninety six games with Derby County. Tom Ron Willems. Incorrect. Sean Flynn. Sean Flynn. Incorrect. Oh. I scored one goal. Daryl Powell. Incorrect. Oh. Uh, Tom uh, Craig Short. Incorrect. My other clubs included Berry, Notts County, Chester, Stockport County, Liverpool, and Tranmere. Tom Mark Wright. Incorrect. Oh, that's a good guess. Well, I don't know if it was. I played for Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was going. Don't know. Give me another clue. I played for Derby County between 2010 and 2013. Tom, Dave Martin? Incorrect. A guess from you, Richard, would be appreciated at this point. You can't just wait until Tom uses all his guesses. <laughs> I've got lots more to go. I'm struggling. 2010 and 13. Cut. Gareth Roberts. Gareth Roberts is correct. Yes. Well done, mate. Boom. Yes. He scored the goal against Doncaster, didn't he? What, a way, what a way to finish in spectacular style. As always, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, I think. Richard, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Tom, thanks for persevering with whatever that was. (laughs) All the best. (laughs) Thanks a lot. See you again. (laughs)